The Gospel reading for this morning comes from John's Gospel, beginning in the sixth chapter at the first verse. And John wrote these things. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, some call it Tiberias. And a huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. And when he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He had already known what he was going to do. And Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. And one of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, Well, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And there was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. And they sat down, about 5,000 of them. And then Jesus took the bread and, having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. And all ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. And they went to work and filled twelve large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done, and they said, This is the prophet for sure, God's prophet, right here in Galilee. And Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm they were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off and went back up the mountain to be by himself. In the evening, his disciples went down to the sea, got in the boat, and headed back across the water to Capernaum. It had grown quite dark, and Jesus had not yet returned. A huge wind blew up, churning the sea. They were maybe three or four miles out when they saw Jesus walking on the sea quite near the boat. They were scared senseless, but he reassured them, It's me. It's all right. Don't be afraid. So they took him on board, and in no time they reached land, the exact spot that they were headed to. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Lord, grant us the wonder of a child who for the first time opens her eyes upon the world. The joy of a child who discovers your splendor in each object, in each encountered being, a reflection of your glory. Grant us the joy of one whose steps are new. Grant us the happiness of one whose life is each day fresh and innocent and hopeful, each day pardoned. Open our ears and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. You know, I think fear generally freezes a person. It scuttles plans and stops all progress. Roosevelt said to the nation in the midst of the Great Depression, the only thing we have to fear 
is fear itself. Francis Bacon, in 1623, said, Nothing is terrible except fear itself. On the night of March 29, 1848, the people of Niagara Falls region were awakened by silence. They got out of bed and went to their doors and windows. And they ran to the river and lit torches which revealed stretches of mud and boulders gleaming nakedly between scattered pools of black water. That night, the churches were overflowing with people praying or talking in frightened voices about the end of the world. The fear was becoming a panic. What really happened was that during March 29th, a heavy wind had set the Lake Erie ice field in motion and tons of ice jammed at the river's entrance near Buffalo. It dammed the river for almost 30 hours until the ice shifted and broke the dam. And when that happened, the water resumed and the familiar roar of the falls set anxious hearts to rest. The ice of fear dams every life as surely as the ice dammed the Niagara River. It stops all progress, it halts any joy, it prevents any peace. The ice is melted by the one who says, it's me, it's all right, don't be afraid. You know, we live our lives with so many fears. But even in our world of plenty, I think one of our main fears is a fear of scarcity. And I think we live in fear of scarcity because we are finite beings. We are creatures who know what it is to starve. We are creatures who will do anything to survive. We fear dying. You know, we so often speak of love as helping others, but we don't often stop to consider what helping others does to the one who loves. Love costs you something. There is a very real losing involved. Something of you is expended. Too often, I think, we are just told to love others without understanding that it will hurt us in some way if we do this correctly. Loving should affect us. Well, the end result of Jesus' loving was his death. Perhaps if he had loved less, given less, maybe folks in power would have left him alone. But I really think we are scared to love that way for fear that we will become used up. So Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee and a crowd was following him because they'd heard of his signs and they wanted more. And Jesus gets out of the boat and goes on up the hill to be with his disciples. And the crowd begins to gather and John tells us that it's shortly before the celebration of the Passover festival, so the minds of the people are already turning to the unleavened bread of the Passover story 
and to the story of Moses and the Exodus and manna and miraculous feedings. And as the crowd grows, Jesus turns to Philip and says, what are we going to do? And Philip replies, well, well, there's not much we can do. We don't have the resource. 200 silver pieces would not be enough money to buy bread so that each person could get a piece. And it is then that one small solution steps forward. A little child offers as an answer to the food question a new possibility, five loaves and two fish. And with childlike trust, the little one offers what he has to Jesus and the disciples. And Andrew has enough presence of mind to offer these gifts to Jesus, but his cynical adulthood gets in the way right away, for even as he offers the loaves and fish to Jesus, he says, hey, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. But Jesus likes the child's solution. He uses the little boy's gift to feed the people. And while the story doesn't say that the child had faith in Jesus' ability to create a miracle, his heartfelt gift does indicate that his vision and hope were not limited to the norms of the day. He just willingly gave what he had. He lovingly gave what he had. It cost him something. But he saw possibility in those loaves and fish. And I think the child should teach us all an important lesson. We should all be looking for ways to succeed, not excuses to fail. Now, of course, the child did not have the power to multiply the loaves and the fish on his own. But his gift opened the way for everyone to be fed. His willingness to lovingly give changed the world that day. A woman's three-year-old daughter asked several times over the period of months if she might be left alone with her new baby brother. And afraid of the possibility of sibling rivalry, the parents of the two children consulted a therapist. Should they give in to their child's request? Well, after being assured that the three-year-old was a non-aggressive and well-adjusted child, the therapist indicated that she thought the little girl ought to be given a chance to be alone with her baby brother. She did, however, suggest that the parent might want to listen in on the intercom in the baby's room, aware that they could go to the baby in a second if there was any difficulty. So the parents left their three-year-old daughter with the new baby and went to their own bedroom to listen in on the speaker. Well, they heard the three-year-old close the door to the nursery and walk over to the crib. And then after a moment, they heard her say, baby, baby, tell me about God. I think I'm forgetting. Folks, this morning's story calls us back to tiptoe back into the nursery or the classroom and ask our children to tell us about God, to remind us about what is really important for life and faith in our world today, and maybe even more important, for their world tomorrow. One more thing. 
Before giving thanks for the bread, Jesus instructs the whole crowd to sit down together. And it's only as they all sat down as one great family that they were able to pass the loaves from hand to hand until all were fed. So I ask you this morning, what do you think? When they first looked at the five loaves and two fish Jesus was blessing, could anyone in the crowd think that they had come together for any real purpose? Maybe they did, for they knew of Jesus' healing powers. But all the story tells us is that those who had enough faith to sit down received all they could possibly want from the hands of Jesus. What they saw was ample for everyone. In closing, one of my favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, writes, and I quote, When the disciples, over-earnest as ever, asked Jesus who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus pulled a child out of the crowd and said the greatest in the kingdom of heaven were people like this. Two thousand years of homiletic sentimentalizing to the contrary notwithstanding, Jesus was not playing Captain Kangaroo. He was saying that the people who get into heaven are people who, like children, don't worry about it too much. They are people who, like children, live with their hands open more than their fists clenched. They are people who, like children, are so relatively unburdened by preconceptions that if someone says there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, they're perfectly willing to go take a look for themselves. Now, children aren't necessarily better than other people. Like the child in the emperor's new clothes, they are apt to be better at telling the difference between a put-up job and the real thing. So folks, please, let's not give the monsters under our beds to our children. Let us listen to them as they help us to get rid of those monsters that are threatening this world that God created and God still loves. Amen.